made it through the Mayan disaster. That was a big deal for us because we barely made it through that one. Um, I, I remember this one, and, and this is personally my favorite uh, closest we've got to the end of the world. Who remembers Y2K? Anybody remember? That was awesome. That was awesome. Remember at, at the, what, what that was, if you didn't know, if you weren't here, it was a great time. Because at the stroke of midnight on January 1st, 2000, the computers were supposed to rise up and take over and just annihilate everybody. Wait, that's the plot to Terminator. But, but the computers, it was, just, it, was, it was awesome if you were at Y2K, man. Those were, those were great times uh, to live. But you know what? We could go on and on and on with examples of somebody that has gotten a word from God about when the world was going to end, they called a date, and then some people got excited, and it didn't happen. And listen, we're even going to see Jesus today say that until he comes back, there's going to be more people just like that. Until Jesus comes, there's always going to be somebody that sees Jesus on a Pop-Tart and then gets on Fox News or the internets and says, Jesus told me the world is going to end. And so everybody freaks out. They all go to Walmart. They stock up on shotguns and beanie weenies because that's going to help you survive the end of the world. And everybody freaks out. It comes, it goes, and nothing happens. So when you talk about the end of the world or the end times, if you, if you have a church background, maybe that's something you're familiar with saying, the end times. When it comes to talking about stuff like this, there's a sense that, man, people who are crazy really talk about this. Or maybe uh, if, you're, if you've got a church background, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the end of the world or the book of Revelation. Probably the most book in the Bible that I get questions about, it's the book of Revelation. Because people say it's so confusing, it's hard to understand. But there's at least one thing that we can be clear about today, okay? There's one thing that I can tell you about the end times that I can tell you with absolute certainty, and it's that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to come back. In fact, that's one of the major things Jesus said from the moment he stepped foot on this earth. In fact, if you read the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, Jesus says in Revelation 22, he says, Behold, I am coming very soon. So the question is, well, when soon? Wouldn't you like to know when soon is? Like, like what if Jesus said, hey, I said I'm coming back soon. Here's what soon means. When is soon? Everybody wants to, well, when is he coming back? Because we've heard this for years. If Jesus is coming back, when is Jesus coming back? That's a great question. In fact, that's the question that the disciples ask that, get, that gets Jesus to talk about the end of the world. And in fact, this is the longest section in the Bible that we have where Jesus talks about what it will be like just before he comes back. So hopefully you've got a Bible uh, open on, uh, if, if, regardless, you've got one or not. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 24. And here's what we're going to do today. This is a big chapter. It's a long chapter. And we're going to go through this entire chapter, okay? We're going to go through the whole chapter. But instead of picking apart and reading it like we typically do, as we come to it, we're just going to read it as it comes. Every verse we read is going to be up on the screen. So if you're trying to take notes and keep up, man, you're going to have a hard time today. It's all going to be up here. But this is the question that the disciples ask in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Look at the question that they asked Jesus. They say this, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. 
So this entire chapter is a conversation between Jesus and the 12 disciples. You need to know that. This is just a conversation that we've been let in on, okay? And so they come to Jesus, and there's this private conversation, and they say, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, watch this, and of the close of the age? They say, Jesus, when are you going to come back? And what they say next is so important. In fact, what they say next shows that the disciples knew something that if you and I knew it on a daily basis, it would really help us in our daily lives because they knew how the Bible talks about history. See, when the Bible talks about about time or history, it splits history up into two ways. The Bible splits time up into two phases. And here's the two phases. This age and the age to come. This age And this age is the day that we live in right now. You and I are living in this age. And this age has been going on even at the point when Jesus and the disciples were on the Mount of Olives in Matthew 24, verse 3, that we just read. So they say, Jesus, when is this age, the age that they were in, and the age that you and I find ourselves in? When is this age over? Because I don't know where you're at spiritually today, but here's what the disciples assumed They assumed when they talked to Jesus that there is coming a day that this age, that life as we know it, would be over. That this age would end and the age to come would start. Because there's this age and the age to come. Theologians or Bible scholars, they'll talk about it this way. They'll say this, the already and the not yet. There's the already, this age, and the not yet, the age to come. Jesus, when are you coming back? When does this age end and the age to come starts. And Jesus actually tells us that. Look at verses 29 and 30. Watch this. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Meaning when Jesus comes back, it will impact everything. You won't need to turn on the news to see if it happens. Everyone and everything will know when it happens. Everybody will know. Verse 30, then he will appear in heaven, the sign of the Son of Man. And then watch this, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. We'll come back to that. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. And so the age to come, this age ends, and the age to come starts the moment that Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, the Bible says what he's going to do, he's going to set up his kingdom right here on this earth That's going to be renewed. He's going to fix everything that's wrong. Revelation 22, you can read about it. It says that that when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom, there's not going to be any tears, no more pain, no more death. When Jesus comes and in the age to come, everything will be perfect. Everything will be perfect. Life will be perfect. Nothing will hurt. There'll be no pain. There'll be no death. You can eat whatever you want because there'll be no calories. I'm just, I just made that one up. I'm just praying for that one. I don't know. But it'll be perfect. Absolutely perfect. But here's the tension. You and I aren't there yet, are we? Because life is not perfect now. See, there's a gap. See, we need to understand this because the disciples knew it and you knew it. And even if you're here and you're not a church person, have you ever been at a place in your life, man, where you just looked at your life and wished that everything was fixed? You ever been there? 
You ever, maybe, maybe you're a Christian. Have you ever been at a place where you were going through the worst time, worst season in your life, and what you wanted more than anything else was for Jesus to come back and fix everything? Have you ever wanted that? The reason that you've wanted that, the reason that you feel that, whether you're a Christian or not, and the reason you feel that is because God made you in his image and he's written on your heart the need and the desire to have him. And listen to me, that need and desire can only be met through Jesus Christ. That's why he's brought you today, and in just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus for the very first time. But if you've ever experienced that tension, that tension of, man, I wish this was over, I wish I never hurt again. I wish my kids never hurt again. If you've ever been in that tension, it's because you and I live in the gap. See, there's a, there's, there's a gap between the already and the not yet. Jesus has already come. He's already defeated the devil. Jesus has already died for sin. He's already come back to life. He's already victorious over everything. And because Jesus wins, you and I, if you belong to Jesus, then you win. Jesus has won, and in the end, so do we. But there's a gap that we find ourselves in today. So that instead of being aware that in Jesus you have already won today, you might look at your life and feel like all you do is fail. And the reason you're there is because you live in a gap. In the gap marriages that we're hoping to, to, build, to build a lifetime on, on Jesus and the Bible and grow together, marriages in the gap fail. In the gap, in the gap between the already, the age, this age, and the age to come, the not yet in the gap, kids that grow up in church become addicts and walk away. Why? Because there's a gap. And the disciples are feeling this tension. It's the same tension that I feel almost daily. It's the same tension that you walked in the room with, and it's just crushing your family. It's just this tension of living in the gap. Jesus, when are you going to come so I don't have to live in the gap anymore? And what Jesus does when he talks about the end times, as he begins to answer their questions, all right, guys, here's what it's going to look like right before I come back. What Jesus does is he wants to give us today one idea. I think Jesus just wants us to know one thing about what it's going to be like when just before he comes back or, or in the end times, if there's one thing that Jesus wants us to know today about the end of the world, I think it's this. Here it is. You can write this down if, you, if you're taking notes. The one thing I think that Jesus wants us to see in Matthew 24 about the end times is that life is war. What Jesus wants us to see right now in the gap and until he comes back, every single day, life is war. Now, Jesus has won the war, but if Jesus doesn't come back in the next 24 hours, Monday morning will be a battle. Tuesday will be a battle. The drive home will be a battle. Some of you, the drive here was a battle, right? Life is war. War is what Jesus wants us to know. And it will be until he comes. And the reason that life is war is because Jesus has an enemy. And the enemy that Jesus has is the devil. Now that might sound crazy to you. You might not believe in this kind of stuff that we're talking about today. And I just want to say, hey, listen, I'm glad you're here because I didn't, I didn't meet Jesus until I was 18. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't believe in God at all. So listen, if you're here, I, I don't believe any of this stuff. Listen, I'm right, I was right there with you. Okay, I get it. A lot of people that have been on this stage today, they get it. So we just want you to know you're in a safe place today. 
okay? But, but, but we, some, we believe these things. We believe that Jesus, it's clearly said in the Bible, has an enemy, the devil. And what the devil tried to do is he tried to snuff out Jesus 2,000 years ago, but he couldn't stop him. And Jesus came and he defeated death. And so what Satan knows, the devil knows, is he knows that Jesus is God. He can't touch Jesus. He can't do anything to hurt Jesus. And so what, Je- what Satan has done, rather, is Satan has taken every bit of his arsenal and turned it at us. Christian or not today, you've got an enemy. And that enemy has declared war on you, on your family, doesn't matter where you're at today, you have an enemy. And until Jesus comes back, life is war. And Jesus wants us to see three ways that the enemy is going to try to attack us in this war. We're going to see three ways the enemy will try to attack us in this war. And then Jesus, at the end, is going to sum it all up for how we need to live every single day until he comes back. So three ways the enemy has always tried to defeat God's people, has always tried to battle against God's people. That's the way he's battling, he's fighting against you today. He's going to continue to do it until Jesus comes back. The first thing that Jesus shows us about how the enemy wants to attack us in the war of life is that the enemy will try to destroy us. The enemy will try to destroy us. Listen to what Jesus says in verse six here. He begins to answer their questions. All right, you want to know what it's going to be like just before I come? I'm going to talk, to, talk, I want to talk about this. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against, against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, if you're reading that and you're paying attention, you might be thinking this. Well, Jesus, there's always been earthquakes. I mean, Jesus, can you really give us a point in history where a nation hasn't risen against another nation? Can you really, Jesus, say there hasn't been a point in history where there hasn't been a famine of some kind? And Jesus would say, exactly. What Jesus is trying to do here, he's trying to be intentionally vague. Because if Jesus told you, hey man, this is when I'm coming back, and you were able to open up the calendar app on your phone and write it down so that you set a two-hour reminder, ding, ding, Jesus is coming back, you might start to live differently in those two hours, wouldn't you? Might, you, might, you, might, you might change some things if you knew Jesus was coming in two hours. So he's being intentionally vague and saying, listen, 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 this stuff has always been going on. I could come back at any moment, but the key is verse 8. Look at what he says in verse 8. All these wars, famines, earthquakes, all these things, All of these things are but the beginnings of birth pains. All of these things are but the beginnings of birth pains. Now, let's talk about birth pains for a second. Um, FYI, I have never given birth to a baby. I didn't know. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. That's good. I was praying, wondering if you... I've never had a baby, okay? I've never had one. I always think it's funny when, like, guys talk about how their wives are pregnant, but they say it this way. Oh, we just found out we're pregnant. Listen, fellas, she's pregnant. You're not pregnant. All right, we're pregnant. No, you're not. She is. Now, now, fellas, you played a role. Way to go, fellas. Way to go. But she's pregnant. You're not. Now, I've never had a baby, but I've seen it happen three times. Okay? I have three kids. Some of you are like, how's he see it three times? That's, I have three kids, y'all. Okay? I've seen it happen three times. Now, now, now. I went to, I, I've been to, I, I've, got, I've, I've done a lot of schooling in my life, and here's what my, with an educated background, here's what I have gathered in witnessing childbirth 
three times. It seems to hurt. Right, ladies? I mean, it doesn't seem like a pleasant experience at all. I mean, again, I've never had a baby, so I don't know. It just seems to be a painful experience, birth pains. And the closer it gets to that child coming into the world, the pains increase. The closer it gets to the time when birth actually happens, the birth pains increase. And Jesus is saying, that's exactly what I mean. The closer it gets to when I come back into the world, Satan's attacks will increase. Satan's attacks will get more intense the closer it gets to when Jesus comes back. In fact, look at what he says to the disciples in verse 9. Then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Imagine if you're in a, in a small circle of 12 people and Jesus tells you that. You want to know what it's like, fellas, before I come back? All of y'all are going to get killed. That's not a Hallmark card. That's not fun. He goes on, they'll deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And history tells us that Jesus was exactly right. All of the disciples, with the exception of Judas who betrayed Jesus and ultimately committed suicide, every one of the disciples were killed for their faith. They were beaten for their faith. John is the only one who actually wasn't martyred for his faith, but he was arrested and sentenced to the island called Patmos, left there to die alone the last decades of his life. Why? Because Jesus was exactly right. Nations will hate them because of their faith. Listen to me, someone. I want you to hear this, all right? And I'm not one of those doomsday prophets with a cardboard sign around my neck, the end is near. Ah! I'm not one of those, but watch this. This is a hard pill to swallow for American Christians, but watch this. Before Jesus comes back, it will get harder to follow him. Before Jesus comes back, it will get harder to follow Jesus. See, when Jesus says, when Jesus says they're going to arrest some of you and you'll experience tribulation, a lot, of them, a lot of you will be put to death. Did you know that's happening in the world right now? As you're in this room, in that seat, there are people in the world right now on July 7th, 2013 that would love this opportunity, but they knew that if they went to an open building where everybody knew they were having church, somebody from state authorities or the local police would walk in and their options could either be arrest them, arrest their children, arrest their wives, beat their children, beat their wives, or beat them, or the last one, kill everyone. Going on in the world Right now. That's why in China, if you don't believe me, you should go to Google today and, under, and Google underground church and just watch what you see. Just watch what you see. Because they know that the risk is too great. Now listen, listen, listen. Am I saying that that stuff's happening in America next week? Am I saying that all of a sudden there could be a day in America when that happens and we can't meet publicly, we have to do everything in underground churches? Listen, listen, I'm not saying anything like that, but I just want to put this on the table to kind of back up my, my case here. You tell me, you can answer this out loud. You tell me, the culture that we live in, is it going towards God or away from God? You tell me. Away from God. Away from God. Just before he comes back, as, he, as it gets closer, it will get more intense for all of us. So much so, I think verse 12 is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. And because, of lawless, and because lawlessness will be increased, in other words, because it's going to get harder, because lawlessness will be increased, watch this, the love of many will grow cold. 
Because it gets harder, there will be people who at one time went to church a lot, maybe even said they were Christians, but they're looking at what it's going to cost them because the stakes have risen, and some people will say, it's not worth it. I'm hitting the eject button, forget the Jesus thing, forget the church thing, I'm walking away. The stakes are too high, the pressure is too great, this is too hard, I'm walking away. It's not worth it. Summit, let me ask you a question this morning. What is Jesus worth to you? What is Jesus worth to you? Is he worth losing those friends? Because there are people that sit in this room right now and you're looking at me and you're listening to the sound of my voice. I've talked to many of you. You've already lost friends that you grew up with solely because Jesus has made a difference in your life. What's he worth to you? Is is Jesus worth possibly missing that promotion that you've always wanted and you know you're having trouble accepting that promotion or making the move for it because you know that to get that promotion you're going to have to do some things unethically. What's he worth to you? What is Jesus worth to you? Because we have an enemy who wants to destroy us and he wants to destroy our faith. So if it means you lose your reputation at school, that's fine. If it means that you lose friends, that's fine. If it means that you potentially lose your life, the enemy will take any of those because I'm telling you, Jesus says it's going to get harder. Maybe some of you have even already experienced it, this kind of day of testing where you ask yourself, oh man, is this worth it? Is it, is it worth it to make this kind of sacrifice? And I just want to ask you today, is it worth it? Because it's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. Because you have an enemy that wants to destroy you. Second thing Jesus wants us to see is that the enemy will try to distract us. Not only will he try to destroy us, the enemy will try to distract us. Listen to what he says. Listen to what Jesus says here. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus says, just before I come back, the gospel is going to go worldwide. Everybody will know. It will go all over the world who I am and what I've done. And listen to me. Summit, that is the mission of our church. The mission of our church is to make Jesus known. It's to get the gospel out. The way we say it around here is we exist as a church to see, to see people transformed by Jesus and equipped to transform the world for Jesus. And Jesus says, I'll come back when the gospel has gone worldwide. And here we are 2,000 years later from when Jesus said this. And did you know we're still not close to doing that? This has still not happened. Sociologists, missiologists estimate there's about 11,000 people groups in the world. And a people group, they have language, customs in common. 11,000 people groups in the world. And as we sit here today, there are over 3 billion, billion people in the world who are completely unreached. Meaning that only 2 to 3% of their population is Christian. I'll give you an example of what that looks like. Northern Yemen. So not even talking Yemen as a whole. Northern Yemen. Just the northern part of Yemen. There are 8 million people that right now live in northern Yemen. That's two times the population of Kentucky. And today there's only 20 to 30 Christians there out of 8 million people. Over 100 million people in the world are completely unengaged, meaning they've never heard of Jesus at all. We even bring it right here closer to home. 
bring it right here closer to home. We said this, we said this last year, we said it a couple other times. Within an hour in every direction of where we're at in this room, there are 575,114 people in eastern Kentucky within an hour's drive in every direction from Hazard who are totally unchurched. Don't profess going to a church. They're not affiliated with a church. 575,114 people. Why? Because the enemy wants to distract us. Now see, now, now you're sitting there and maybe you're thinking this, you're thinking this, Mark, you know what, uh, you know what? Mark's, Mark, God's not telling me and my family to pack up and move to northern Yemen and plant some at second campus, all right? And I just want to say, probably not, all right? God doesn't call most people to do stuff like that. But God still calls every one of us to go to all the world. Say, so how can I do that? How can I go to all the world? Well, hopefully within the next year, we're going to give you some opportunities to go overseas through various things here at Summit. But I'll tell you a way you can go all over the world. And I want to be really honest and really practical and probably really controversial. I'll tell you how you can go, get, go all over the world. Give. Give. Financially, what you give here at Summit it goes all over the world, right here in this region and all over the world to make a difference for Jesus. See, I don't know if you realize it or not, but to go to all the world, it takes resources to do that. Every time you go somewhere where people speak a different language, you have to translate the Bible in their language. That takes resources. It takes resources to plant churches. And so as churches give financial resources, those resources can go out and lives can be changed. But if churches don't give, those resources don't go. Those resources don't go. And so here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to distract us from this. Some of you he's trying to distract right now. Some of you he's trying to distract in a lot of different ways. Some of you he's trying to distract because you got ticked off as soon as I said the M word. Money. Right? I can't believe you're talking about that in church. Why are you talking about that in church? Listen, Sugarfoot, I'll tell you why we're talking about this in church. I get this all, we, we don't talk, if you, this is your first day, all, all they do is talk about money. Ask somebody that comes every week, you'll know, they'll, they'll tell you that's not true. But if you're, well, I don't want to talk about money. Let me talk about something more spiritual. Let's talk about prayer. Did you know that the Bible has more verses on money than it does faith and prayer combined? Did you know that Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined? Why? Because Jesus knew money. Is spiritual. Because Jesus knew that the best indicator for what I really live for is watch where my money goes. Because I spend money on what matters to me. So do you, so do people. Say, so how are we doing? I, this is going to be so, listen, listen, I love you. I love you. Do you see on my face I love you? Love. But how are we doing as a church when it comes to giving so that this can go all over the world? I asked our finance team, uh, to, to give us some numbers for how it breaks down for the average person that gives here at Summit on a weekly basis. And, and here's what they gave me. Our finance team uh, gave me this. So if you're ticked off about what I'm saying, come to me and I'll tell you who's on our finance team. All right? See, see, right now, it's the guys backing out of the building right now. They're just like, what? I'm going to the bathroom. Um, here's what they gave me. The average person at Summit gives $8.33 a week. $8.33 a week. That breaks down to a little over $33 a month. Now, now, see, do you feel that in the room? That's called tension. It's called tension is what that is. You thought it was uncomfortable with your wife in the car this morning. Oh, now the preacher's talking about me. Now, 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 here's what you should do. Some of you, some of you 
That is exactly what you can get. And you know what? Praise God for you. Praise God for that. You shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel condemned or anything like that. But maybe you should go, some of you should go and ask God, some of us should go and ask God, God, what would you want me to give? See, because the enemy likes to distract us when we talk about money, so we get upset about it. The enemy wants to distract us with all kinds of things in the culture because we live in a world, and I'm not talking about, I'm not knocking any of these things, but don't we live in a world where it's constantly pushing us to upgrade the thing that we just bought that was the best version, right? You just bought the biggest TV, a bigger TV comes out. Oh, I'm a loser. My TV's too small. Oh, my TV's too big. I need a thinner TV, right? I'm not knocking TVs. I have a TV. I plan on watching it today. All right? I'm not knocking TVs. Preacher, some preached against TVs. No, I won't. You come over. We watch mine. All right? I'm not knocking TVs. I have one. Right? We live in a world. This will happen this November. I remember last November when the iPhone 5 came out. Right? I have an iPhone. Okay? I have an iPhone. I, listen, today, just for fun, you come over. I'll get on my iPhone and we'll watch TV. All right? All right? Just in case. All right? But I remember last year when the iPhone 5 came out and people all, it was all over television. Oh, I can't wait to get an iPhone 5. Because it's so much lighter than the iPhone 4. Lighter. Like you're carrying around the iPhone 4 and it's just, oh my gosh. It's so, listen, if that's the reason you got it, hit the gym. Okay? You've got some stuff you got to work on if you're looking for it because it's too, hit the gym, bro. Okay? Just hit the gym. Right? That's, that was totally free. But what he does is he likes to distract us. And so I just want to say, hey, if that's you talking about, and that's what you can give, listen, praise God for you. But I would challenge our church this way. I would challenge our church this way. I would challenge every single one of us. What if you took a step in the direction God is calling us to in this area? Because God calls us to give 10% off the top, not what's left over, but off the top back to him through the local church. Now, maybe you can't do 10% at this time. Hey, you know what? Don't feel bad. God knows that. You don't have to feel bad about that at all. But here's what I would say to you. Say it to every one of us. Say it to me. What if you took a step in the direction that God's calling us to go? Because when you give at Summit, those resources go all over the world. It goes to seeing lives transformed. Listen to me. There are people in this room right now who just over a year ago, their life was being torn apart by addiction, and today they're taking steps towards freedom and summit. You made that possible because you gave. There are marriages in this room right now. I'm looking at some people, and a year ago, months ago even, your marriage was on the brink of divorce. You were convinced there's no way you're going to make it, and here you are today. Your marriage is thriving, and Summit, I want you to know you make that possible when you give. When lives are changed, when you see baptisms, and in the past year and a half, we've seen over 150 baptisms. We've seen over 200 first-time decisions. Can anybody get fired up about that? And I'm telling you that what you give makes that possible. What you give makes that possible. Every time you give, it is a declaration of war against Satan and everything he would want to throw at your life. You're declaring war every time that you give here or online. But he wants, us to, he wants to distract us. Last thing, last thing, and then we're, then we're done. We'll knock this bad boy out. Last way that Satan wants to attack us, he wants to deceive us. 
Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to distract us. And finally, he wants to deceive us. Listen to what it says here in verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will arise, perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. What that means is until Jesus comes, there will always be people who rise up and say Jesus has told them something and it deceives other people. There will always be new religions that pop up. There will always be new cults that pop up. We're not one of those. There will always be something that pops up and ultimately it will lead to a guy named the Antichrist. Who's the Antichrist? I don't know. But I know it's not Obama. I know it wasn't George Bush. Okay? I know that no one on earth has ever seen the evil that whoever that will be, that that individual will bring. And I also know that the Bible says that one day Jesus, when he splits the, splits the skies apart, he will take down the Antichrist with a breath from his mouth. Why? Because Jesus has won the battle. And what that means is, until he comes, the enemy is going to try to deceive you with all kinds of different things. Some of you he's deceiving right now because you're justifying sin that you know and God knows you shouldn't be doing, but it's tearing your life apart, but you're trying to say it's okay. Some of you he's trying to deceive right now because you've never given your life to Jesus. And there's this voice inside of your head saying, you can do it next week. Don't ever come back to this church. I hate this church. I'm never coming back to this church. You should go to another church. Hey, man, you know what? You can do that later on. He's trying to deceive you and push it off because the enemy is attacking you. He wants to destroy, he wants to distract, and he wants to deceive. And so what Jesus says to us until he comes back, and this is the last word, verse 42, therefore stay awake, for you do not know what day or what hour your Lord is coming. Until Jesus comes and every day is a battle, what Jesus says to you and to me is stay awake. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I do know that he is. And until he comes, he's told us to stay awake. So we shouldn't fall asleep and act as if life isn't war. Some of you, the enemy's trying to destroy, he's trying to ruin your reputation, and I want you to know it's because he's at war with you. You can make a difference. Some of you, he's trying to distract because he knows that if you listen to what we've talked about this morning, and if you give yourself wholly to God, then God can use you to make a difference. He doesn't want that to happen. Some of you, the enemy is trying to deceive. He's trying to get you to listen to a lie. He's trying to get you to, to follow the wrong crowd. He's trying to get you to ruin the destiny that God's got for you. And I just want to say to you this morning, life is war. Summit, we are in a war. And I want to say to us this morning, Jesus is worth it. Do you believe that? Jesus is worth it. He is worth our time. He is worth our resources. He is worth our lives. If need be, he is worth even dying for in his name. Why? Because he looked at us and unworthy as we were, he said, they are worth it. And he was slaughtered to death. And three days later, he came back so that you can have eternal life, so that all things can be made new in your life. And if that's, and listen, if you today have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to read to you one more verse. It says that when Jesus comes back, it says that all the tribes of the earth will look at Jesus and they will mourn. Why? Because as soon as Jesus comes back, there will be thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who will look at him and instantly know it's too late, man. 
I should have made that decision when I was at Summit that day. But I, but I listened to the voice of my friends, that voice in my head, and I put it off, and it's too late now. I want to say to you today, it's not too late. If you feel like you've lost the battle, you feel like the enemy's destroyed you, you feel like the enemy's deceived you, you feel, you feel like the enemy's distracted you, I want to say to you, Christians, it's not over. It's not over. And today, today, God is ready and able to forgive to heal every wound in your life and put you back in the battle that he's already won. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then I invite you right there where you sit to go to God in prayer and just to pray a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. And the Bible promises that'll do it. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, life is war. And Jesus, I believe that there's been a lot of war going on in this room today. I believe, that, I believe that there's a lot of marriages that might be feeling the tension of living in that gap. And Jesus, would you just speak into their lives today that, that they're in the midst of war. Jesus, I, I believe that there, there might be people here today and, and they just feel like they've so messed up. And the enemy has deceived them and told them, you have messed up. In fact, you've messed up so much, God can't even use you anymore. God, I pray that you would speak to them and help them to see that life is war. And Jesus, you've won that war for them. Father, I pray for everybody that's come today. Maybe there's somebody that's come just to check this out, came on an invite. I don't know what's brought us all here today. But God, if there is somebody here today that's never given their life to you, never asked you to come into their life and save them. I pray that right now, before they leave, they would make the most significant decision of their life. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, let me just ask you this one simple question, and you answer this just by raising your hands. How many of you just God's spoken into your life today, and you would say, Mark, I believe that the enemy is really trying to attack me. I'm going through something really hard. Mark, I believe the enemy is really trying to come at me and my family. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Maybe you've been tempted to quit and drop out of this whole game of Christianity. Just raise your hand. Mark, the enemy's trying to take me out. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. You've been struggling with something. You've been struggling with some sin in your life. The enemy's attacking you. Just raise your hand. Say, that's me. Right now, that's me. Just raise your hand. Hands are going up. Right now, here's what I want to ask you to do. God never calls us to do this war alone. He has brought people around us who can love us, who can encourage us who won't judge us, but man, they just want to say, keep in the battle. Jesus has won it. And today, if you just raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, here's what I want to ask you to do. Regardless of the issue in your life, God knows it, but God does not want you to go through whatever made you raise your hand. He doesn't want you to go through it alone. There are people in the back right now who just want to rally around you, encourage you for the next minute or two, and then you'll be back in your seat before you're done. But if you raised your hand or you didn't, man, you're just going through something right now. You are feeling the tension of the gap. I want you to get up out of your seat and go to the back right now. Get up out of your seat and go to the back right now. And let somebody pray with you and encourage you. Don't let the devil talk you out. Oh, man, I can't do that. What will people say about me? Everybody will know I'm going through something. Everybody's going through something. Life is war. But if that's you, get up right now and make your way back to the, make, make your way back, to the back. There are people back there right now who love you, want to pray for you, and encourage you. Listen, there are people going right now, do you need to be one of them? Okay? 
If you're saying, man, I don't want to do it alone, you're not going to do it alone. Just go. But if you're here, you just do what God's telling you to do. Some of you are here, and you've never made that decision to give your life to Jesus. And you're saying, man, I'm a good person. I, I bet you are. I bet you're great. I bet you're awesome. I bet, I, bet, I bet everybody loves you, and I'm sure that's exactly right. But I'm not asking you, are you good? I'm not even asking, have you been to church? I'm asking you. Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? And has He stepped into your life and radically changed everything? And if not, right now, Jesus Christ is ready to step into your life and forgive you and make you into a new person. All you need to do is pray this prayer. These aren't magic words just between you and God. Pray this silently wherever you're at. Just pray this right there if you need to make this decision. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Help me to live for you from this moment on to the best that I can. Thank you. Amen. Keep your heads bowed. Keep your eyes closed. Did you just make that decision? Did you just ask Jesus to forgive you for your sin? Because listen, if so, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand. And you raising your hand is you saying yes to Jesus today. That today is the day that Jesus has saved me and I am his from this day forward. I'm not talking perfection, but from this day forward, I've given my life to Jesus. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up in the air right now at this moment if that's you. If you just made that decision, would you raise your hand? And listen, if you've raised your hand or if you're afraid to raise your hand, here's what I want to ask you to do. Take a step. There's people in the back right now who would love to talk to you, encourage you, and they just want to give you a free Bible and something to encourage you. Again, you'll be back in your seat before we're done today. But if you made that decision or you want to talk to somebody about it, don't get in the car and wish you would have done it, dude. Don't let the devil talk you out of something today. Father, I thank you that the battle is won, that Jesus is alive, and that in him we have the victory. And so, God, this week, God, who knows all the battles that are facing us this week, but God, don't let us quit in the midst of the battle. God, keep us going in the midst of the battle. Jesus, keep us focused on you. Keep us coming to you in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the gap, in the midst of all of the stuff. God, keep us close to you. I pray the enemy would take no one out. He has already defeated. He has already lost. Jesus, we thank you that you are our chief and our captain. And today, we, want, we honor you and we want to live for you more today as a church. You are worth all of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Summit, let's thank Jesus today that in the midst of the battle and the gap, man, he's won the war. And I just want to say to you, uh, right now is a great opportunity just for you to take those connection cards and flip those over and let us know anything that God did in your life today. How can we pray for you? Why don't you write that down? If you made a decision today, you, you want to give your life to Christ, you want to get baptized on the back of that card, it's, it's all there. You want to volunteer. Everything's there. And it's, as you leave, just drop those in those baskets. Okay, drop those in those baskets on the way there. First time guests, don't forget the table out there to your right. And if you're new, returning, visit the uh, Next Step booth there. Hey, listen, next week we are talking about something really special going to happen in our church coming up this fall. Listen, our, one of our core values is we are in this together. Next week you are really going to hear us talk about it. And I hope that if you claim Summit is your church at least, man, you'll be back. Next week's going to be a big day for what we're doing, all right? So love you guys. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next week.